Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode on the Digital Dreamers Hub podcast. My name is Trudy Danso Osei, and I'm going to be your host for today. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Ikria Nyame Mensa, who is a certified executive coach and entrepreneur. She helps startup executives and entrepreneurs become world class leaders. She also is an advocate for self-promotion and has built a community of more than 5,000 people on LinkedIn. Today, we're going to talk more about gaining confidence and celebrating your wins at the workplace and how to elevate your brand on LinkedIn to attract more opportunities. I'm so excited. Welcome. Welcome to have you on the podcast, Akia. How are you feeling today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to have this conversation. So thank you. Great. I think we're going to hear so many gems, so I'm very excited for this. Uh, so let's just dive right through it, because I stumbled upon your uh, on your LinkedIn profile and it immediately it immediately draw my attention. I saw words like self-promotion, celebrating your wins, confidence. And I was like, oh, I need to read more. I need to hear more about what she <laughs> has to say about that. So let's talk more about self-promotion because I know a lot of people, you know, struggle with that or let's say are too humble to talk more about their wins. Have you always been confident with sharing your wins at the workplace? How did it start off? Yeah. Uh, so no, I wasn't always confident doing so. And I think I became a lot more interested in the concept of self-promotion when I decided to launch my own coaching and consulting practice. I saw how limiting it would be if I wasn't able to talk about the successes I had had previously. Um, so prior to starting my practice and then to talk about the results I got with my clients. Mm -hmm. And so when I was introduced to the Google initiative, the hashtag I'm remarkable um, initiative, I thought it would be a perfect opportunity for me to kill not just one bird, um, but wait, what is, is it two birds of one stone? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever that, yeah. <laughs> whatever that saying is, I thought it'd be the perfect opportunity for me to do two things. One for the skills, because that was something I wanted to get better at. And then yeah. two, you know, constantly remind myself really the importance of self-promotion. Yeah. And so it's really through being part of that initiative and having the opportunity to facilitate that conversation for others, where I've noticed how much more confident I am putting myself out there and that there is a link. So I've also learned that there's a link between knowing the value that you provide, being mm -hmm. willing to communicate that in the right context, mm -hmm. but also being able to advocate for yourself. And I also think that self-promotion is very closely related to self-love because yeah. from my perspective, self-promotion actually starts internally. I think for so many people, when they hear the word self-promotion, they think of bragging, they think of externally telling others what they're yeah. good at or what mm -hmm. their strengths are, something amazing that they've done, but yeah. it starts internally. True. If you're not able to do that for yourself mm -hmm. every single day, right? It's going to be really difficult for you to do that in the workplace. It's going to be really difficult for you to do that for your business. Yeah. So for me and what I teach and even what I share in my hashtag, I'm remarkable initiative sessions is that self-promotion starts inside. It starts internally. And that's only when you truly believe it, where you're going to be able to share it with others and feel really comfortable doing it. I love how you're making that connection between self-love and self-promotion. And it all like literally it all makes sense it starts internally and it's it, it's actually a reflection of it right like it's beautifully said Akia and also within corporate 
you know, I work in corporate myself and I see this, this going on all the time. Um, a lot of people do struggle with being their own cheerleader. So what are some of the advantages that comes with being comfortable with self-promotion? Because, you know, obviously it's good uh, and it starts from internally that, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're really showcasing what you're good at and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, can you tell us more about the advantages that comes with it? Definitely. So let's let's start actually with the person. So internally, what the advantages are. Um, so once again, you know, as someone who focuses primarily on, I guess you can say more productivity or sort of time management, one of the things I always love to talk about and a lot of the research I read is really around what you focus on grows. And so not only do I think that self-promotion is closely related to self-love, I also think that it's closely related to gratitude as well. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on the things that you really enjoy about yourself and that you enjoy doing um, or that you're grateful for having the opportunity for, I think it's so much easier to feel a lot more positive mm -hmm. and also find that in your day to day. Right. So once again, what you focus on grows. I'm not suggesting that we need to be positive all the time. If you take a look at my content, I think it's quite balanced and I don't yeah. believe in toxic positivity. But I do believe that all of us could take a bit more time to just, you know, celebrate our wins and feel really excited about what we're doing internally. So that's the first bit. I think it's always really important to start with the person and start with cultivating your own self-awareness around what's going well. Because go as well. It's so much easier to tap into that energy, right? Exactly. And, you know, sort of ride that low to when it yep. goes high, right? Because, you know, the world is cyclical, things go up and down, things are always going to happen. So creating yep. that time and space to do that and building routine around that will just allow you to be a lot more constructive moving mm -hmm. forward. So that's the first bit. That's the internal bit externally, especially if you're working within an environment, it's going to really give you access to more opportunities. Um, so I typically work with executives and leaders. So even at that level, even if you're the founder, being able to talk about your strengths, being able to talk about what you can bring to the table will make it so much easier for you to find partners, co-founders, if that's what you want to do, find the right leaders and ultimately find the right employees, because you'll be very confident in what you can bring to the table and be able to communicate very succinctly what you need in terms of support, right? Who could right. potentially compliment you? Mm -hmm. It also will very much allow you to create a culture that's very results oriented and driven where yeah. people don't feel like they need to hide behind their success and they feel really comfortable bringing it forward and talking about the value that they're adding. Yeah. So I think that in terms of leadership or thinking it from that higher level, as human beings, we model behavior, whether or not we believe it, whether or not we think that's true, what other people see is what they also typically will start to follow and do. So I think at the higher level executives, founders, any leaders of any sort, having confidence that having that confidence to self promote, right? Um, exhibiting, I think, to some extent that self love is only going to benefit the rest of the business or the rest of Employees. So that's at the higher level. I think as we go further down and thinking about, you know, regular employees or line managers, whatever, you know, their titles or roles may be, giving them the opportunity to feel comfortable really, once again, creates that psychological safety that is necessary if you want people to innovate, if you want people to bring their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. There's so yeah. many ways in which we can actually connect your, um, your value and your strengths, not just to psychological if you feel comfortable and you enjoy what you're doing and talk about how you can contribute, you're more likely to be and more motivated. Once again, that can only positively impact the bottom line of a company. If someone mm -hmm. 
doesn't feel comfortable going into that environment because they don't feel like they can be themselves, right? Because a part of not feeling comfortable self-promoting feels like you have to hide some component of you. Um, yeah. Once again, that's going yeah. to lead to people not being able to communicate appropriately to problems, maybe not being solved correctly, right? And so many mm -hmm. of us are now living in a virtual world. So we need to be able to create these connections where we might not even have that physical opportunity. So knowing yeah. what you can contribute, being able to talk about it in a way that leads to connection, that leads people yeah. to understand the value that you can provide. I think benefits mm -hmm. everyone at the end of the day, right? So That's I talked true. a little bit about it from the perspective of internally. Yep. I talked about it a bit from the perspective of a company, whether you're yep. a leader or an employee. We can also talk about self-promotion in our personal lives as well. You know, when you want to date, right? When you want to find new friends, you're going to talk about certain parts of you, right? You're going to yep. share certain things that you hope are attractive to others. So true. at the end of the day, this is something that we're constantly doing. We may not call it self-promotion. And I think for many people, they might be a little wrapped up with that word self-promotion. If that doesn't resonate with you, change it to something else. Yeah, exactly. um, but the act, once again, do that and understanding the context that you're in is going to be incredibly important, no matter. Yeah. I, I, I actually realized that we're, we're doing this almost every day. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, your Tinder profile, I mean, your LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's true. Like, I mean, for some people indeed the label self-promotion or the word self-promotion can come off a little bit like, Ugh. but yeah, give it another name or don't give it a name, but know that it's a thing that you can, you can work on. I just want to go back to, you know, the, the advantages that you were giving, Ikria. Do you feel like in a team setting, do you feel like a, a team lead or a manager should give or set that example of, you know, hey, in this team, we do, uh, we do like to self-promote. We do like, do you feel like it's the responsibility of a team lead or a manager to set the, the, the first, to set the tone in doing so? Do you feel like it's, it's their, their responsibility? Definitely. Yes. A hundred percent. So anyone who's had an opportunity to have a conversation with me about leadership, and I mentioned this earlier on, the importance of modeling the behavior that you expect of others. Also is being very about the expectations around culture. So here's the thing. Um, you can't have, I mean, you can, of course, have a team lead or a manager share that this is the way in which they want to run their team, but recognizing that they're within a larger ecosystem. So I always recommend that in terms of thinking about what that individual manager is doing, this is something that should also be thought about from that company-wide level, from the culture level, and from the values level. But of okay. course, right, once again, each line manager has an opportunity to shape the environment that they have somewhat some control over, but just really recognizing that it's only going to be, it's only going to become more successful if than that, um, right? So it needs to be the entire ecosystem that sees the importance of leveraging self-promotion. And I think everyone can define it for themselves. So that manager or that company can define what self-promotion looks like. They can define the, the boundaries, if you want to call it that. They can define the channels through which self-promotion is done. I've seen some yeah. companies do some really great things with Slack, where people have the opportunity to talk about amazing things going on you know, at yeah. work or amazing things happening within the business or the company. So yeah. I think there's many different ways to do this. There's yeah. no one right way to do it. I think it's just about taking those first steps and seeing what makes sense based on the culture that you've decided that you want to create. Mm, that's super clear. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. And, you know, I also want to speak for the, 
introverts here that are listening to this episode right now, you know, the advantages are clear. They're super clear, but I can imagine that some people are still thinking, okay, but teach me how, or like give me some practical tips or resources in order to feel like to gain more confidence, to, to share my wins constantly without coming across as quote unquote cocky. Would you have some tips that you can give, you know? Yeah. I mean, the first is always, you know, I'll shout out, you know, the hashtag I'm remarkable initiative, join one. There are, I think over 5,000 facilitators right now. We facilitate at no cost. Um, So you can join them. They're all over the world, lots of different languages. So I'd really recommend that you join one because I think that joining one of these sessions will help you see that you're not the only one. And also recognize that self-promotion is very culturally driven um, and very socially driven as well. And so you'll see that people from different cultures do tend to struggle with this, right? So one of the things I'll hear a lot is, oh, you know, Americans are so good at self-promotion, but I've done many hashtag I'm remarkable sessions with Americans who feel like they're right? So all of us can be our biggest critic and all of us see things from different perspectives. So I definitely would recommend that you join one of those sessions, but I'm happy to share some of the things that I do within my own life um, to really help set up my day. And once again, it's going to look different for everyone. Um, But the key thing here is, as I mentioned earlier on, is that self-promotion starts internally. So if you don't necessarily feel comfortable sharing it with the rest of the world, start with yourself. So this is what I do every single morning. I will write down three things I'm grateful for, and then three, what I call three hashtag wins. So that really helps to set up my day. And because I'm an entrepreneur who works primarily for herself, it also helps me see that I am making some progress. I can look back on that document if I'm feeling off or if I'm feeling like I'm not making progress to see that I'm actually making progress and I'm going towards something. So I think that's just one really simple thing that anyone can do. You can do that on your laptop. You can do it in a notebook. So I use a notebook. You can do it on post-its, but I really would recommend just starting to keep track of some of these and they don't need to be really big. Are I took a shower in the morning, right? Sometimes, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that I have a fan and it's not super hot, right? So you can start really small and it's so and this is also the hashtag I'm remarkable workshop. The more you do it, the easier it is for you to see. Um, the easier it is for you to call out. And once again, you'll start to see that this will then start to sort of filter into the other types of work you do and other places that you show up. Um, But I really would recommend that you start by doing it for yourself um, and you keep track of it somehow. Um, So maybe it's, you know, you want to keep track of business wins or career wins. um, And then maybe you want to practice gratitude to your personal life, whatever you want to call it, um, however you want to describe it, but just start keeping track of it. So you have something to go back to if you are feeling down or off. Love it. I call it like the career brag sheet. Like I love that. Yeah. Where I can keep all of your wins because like even if I take myself for example right there are so many achievements that I can have in a week but because I don't I don't often or always uh, jot it down it's like you know you forget about these things and then when you have your quarterly review with your manager exactly. you're like oh let me let me grab them oh what was it what was it what was it and then you realize like you're doing an amazing job like week over week so Thank you so much for, for that advice. I think it's a very useful one. And you spoke about the I Am Remarkable workshop. You really touched upon, you know, the benef- the advantages of these uh, workshops. But I want to know a little bit more. Like, when are you hosting those? Do you have one coming up soon? And how can we sign up for it? Because it sounds very interesting. And I think a lot of 
uh, a lot of the listeners today can uh, really make use of this, this workshop. So can you tell us more? Yeah. So I, I typically host about one a month um, and okay. I call it sort of the open one. So I, ho I host one open one for anyone in my community or my audience, and I host a closed one for an organization. Um, I only okay. do simply because I do them at no cost. <laughs> yeah. And so I just want to make sure that I keep space, right, for, for things that actually do pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but I host one a month, um, open ones. And what I can do is I can just share a link um, with you. You can put in the show notes where people can yeah. just sign up. Like I mentioned okay. before, it's absolutely free. I'll send you reminder emails um, so that you can join. And I also share some additional resources related to how you continue, how you can continue to build that muscle. You're also welcome to just Google hashtag I'm remarkable. That will take you to the Google page where you can okay. find other workshops. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to be a facilitator or you're looking to actually improve your, you know, public speaking skills, or your facilitation skills, it's, I think also a really great opportunity for that as well. Yeah. Great. Thank you for sharing. I'll definitely come to one of your uh, workshops. Please. I'm having I'll one next that. week. Oh, oh really? Okay. I'll check, I'll check out the website. Great. Okay. So we talked, we've talked about, you know, confidence. We've talked about self-promotion and I think it's also linked to the, the other topic that we are going to start, we are going to discuss, which is branding self, personal branding on LinkedIn. This topic is for, you know, for many people, it can be slightly daunting, um, but I've seen like a huge rise on the platform of people, you know, trying to talk more in, you know, try, sharing personal stories, even though they have like this big corporate job or, you know, they're still letting people in, in their, you know, their personal life. And it's creating this, you know, this, this branding overall. So I want us to talk a, a little bit about it because I do feel like a lot of people don't see the importance of creating a strong personal brand on LinkedIn. Why is it important to have a personal brand on LinkedIn in general as a professional? What, what do you think? I think that, you know, LinkedIn is a really unique platform in that it is focused on, you know, creating and providing economic opportunities. So if you're mm -hmm. looking at platforms. I feel like that out of all of them is very much catered towards people that want to build a, a business, right? That are unapologetic about it, right? It's not like, hey, I need to like, you know, hide similar to like, you know, not feeling comfortable putting yourself out there or bragging. This is the, really the platform. The first reason why personally, I really love leveraging it. And one of the reasons why I actually speak about leveraging LinkedIn uh, to my clients, because I think it's, it's the perfect platform for that. I think another reason why it's really important, especially if we're thinking about it from the perspective of a career, is that it gives you an opportunity to shape um, and mm -hmm. to share, right, the value that you can add, transferable skills. It allows you to be somewhat Googleable, right? So if you have yeah. your LinkedIn profile, you know, people actually know what you look like. If someone's searching you, you will actually be able to direct and shape what they learn about you. And I think that that's incredibly powerful, right? You want to be able to control that as much as you can. Yeah. You also get to decide, right, how much to share, what not to share. To your point about a lot of people sharing personal stories, one that I decided very intentionally when I launched my coaching and consulting practice is that I didn't want to talk that personal life. I will yeah. share, you know, a personal story here or there, but I definitely don't share as much a lot of other thought leaders on the you know the platform even as I do my workshops and I even have more private um, mm -hmm. events I also don't share that much about my life um, yeah. not because I don't feel comfortable doing so it's just because the primary tool that I use to support others you know a part of that is 
helping other people, you know, share their stories and making sure that they're getting the tools, the frameworks and techniques that they need to be able to move forward. Right. I don't feel like it's about me. It's really about helping and supporting. If I feel like a story I have to share can do that, I will share it to some extent. Um, So each of us can make that decision about how much to put out there. Um, But, you know, I think the key part is really just recognizing, and this is similar to why it's very difficult for a lot of people to self-promote is that, you know, something that you share really could inspire somebody else, you know, Mm. even if they don't like it, even if they don't comment on it, it doesn't mean that it hasn't touched somebody else or it hasn't had an impact. Mm. Yeah. And I do have a question on that, Akia. Do you feel like, you know, as a professional, let's say you have, you, you know, this, this corporate job, I know that you know, the majority of the, the, the content you will see is like, hey, uh, I, I got a promoted, I got promoted, yeah. or I'm starting a new role at X. But I know that some people find it very tricky to share more than that. Do you feel that it's, quote unquote, appropriate for someone who's working for a company to share more of their personal life or personal stories that are linked to the corporate world, but not necessarily. What is your take on that? Do you feel like as a professional working with, with a brand, uh, working for a brand, do you feel like we can go, we can do that? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first question here, and this is also what I teach when it comes to, to leveraging LinkedIn, is what what is the strategy? What is the intent behind sharing this, right? Because I think that there are different social media platforms that have slightly different mm-hmm. intents or potential yeah. impacts. So the first question what is, what is my strategy? What is the rationale behind potentially sharing this? And I think everyone has to decide that for themselves. And that really should be what's directing whatever content they put out there and also whatever they're putting on their profile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a key thing to recognize if you do work within an organization as well is that the organization you work for might have some sort of LinkedIn or some sort of social media um, guidance um, yeah. expectations. Once yeah. again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I do think it's important to check in with that um, okay. because you more than likely, you know, sign that you would show up on a certain way on social media, especially now. So that's something that you look into as well. So the mm-hmm. first, you know, question is what's my intent? What's my strategy? Why am I sharing this? And the second is, you know, just checking in um, with that organization you work with. And if it's not the organization you work with, checking in with yourself and yeah. trying to just, you know, like leverage your values, leverage your own vision for yourself, just to make sure that whatever you're putting out there really does fit within that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think using those parameters will help guide you um, and help you figure out whether or not that makes the most sense and whether or not LinkedIn is the best place to potentially to, to post that. Post but beyond that. that, right, you don't have to post. And this is something I teach as well. You can engage with other people's posts. You can, you know, connect with people in the direct messages and have oh. conversations with them, right? There's so many different ways to leverage LinkedIn beyond having to put posts out there. Post. And I think yeah. one of the reasons don't feel comfortable on the platform is because they think they constantly have to show up and, you know, somewhat outpost some of these LinkedIn influencers that are leveraging the platform. And you don't. Yeah. A lot of people who successfully leverage LinkedIn, and once again, how you define success will look different for everyone, but who successfully leverage LinkedIn without, you know, posting much, they just engage with others and maybe are, you know, engaging potentially in the direct messages. And that might be enough. But once again, you get to define that for yourself. For don't, yourself. you know, copy other people. Don't mm. look at what other people are doing. And even just telling yourself that it works because you'd be really surprised um, at the number of people 
that have very large networks. And from this perspective, actually, I'm talking about people who actually have businesses. You'd be very surprised people who have very large networks who aren't able to convert those networks into actual, you know, paying clients, right? And in this case, success for them is to actually have paying clients and they're not able to do that. So it's, it's very important that you focus on what you're doing. You define what success looks like for yourself. You yeah. are clearly aware of your intention and you think about the actions on LinkedIn that will help you get there. Get there to the end goal. Love it. So you have more than 5,000 followers on the platform. I mean, hello, like that, that's a lot. Is that's it? A lot. <laughs> it is. It's like 5,000 people. It fills in, like imagine having them all in one room. It's that's a, Okay, that's a lot. That's a that's lot. That's a lot. <laughs> so I'm wondering, can you tell us more? Because for instance, I have the aspiration. I'm working for a, a tech company, but still I have the aspiration to build a community uh, around my brand. So can you tell us more about what you did to build such a community? Yeah, so I mean, I think the first thing to say is that I didn't really leverage LinkedIn until I, until I started to decide to, to build my business. And even with my business, it was like, oh, I really want to you know, figure out this coaching thing, this consulting thing to see if it's a good fit. And like, I think that leveraging social media or a social media platform will help me get there, right? Um, it wasn't like I want to leverage social media and then build a business. I want a business and I think social media is the way to help me get there. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing I think it's, it's sort of deciding once again, what, what that intent is. And in terms of sort of increasing my network, a lot of the people actually that have connected with me on LinkedIn, um, have seen me, you know, in, in one of my workshops or in a, have attended mm -hmm. an event, um, mm -hmm. that maybe I had the opportunity to speak at. So a lot of people who do follow me are people who have maybe seen me in some way. Yeah. Um, so that's, there's an opportunity potentially, I guess, in this case to say that you can leverage other people's audiences potentially. So if you go and you speak somewhere, if you have the op opportunity to do a live stream, you can, you know, suggest to them if they enjoyed your conversation that, Hey, you know, connect with them, you know, connect with LinkedIn or connect with her on LinkedIn. So there's an opportunity there. So I would definitely say the first is probably leveraging other people's audiences or sort of okay. building these other events where I then said, Hey, if you enjoyed this conversation, check out my content on LinkedIn. That's where definitely, I would say right now, the majority of the network that I have comes from. Uh, prior to that, a lot of the network was from my days as being a startup leader. So, you know, doing a lot of work, a lot of networking, trying to connect with people in relation to that. I do also reach out um, directly, um, specifically HR directors, uh, you know, uh, COOs, uh, so chief operating officers, people who have some sort of people related positions that I think mm -hmm. could be interested in the work I do, or at least the content I do. Yeah. Um, so there is some strategic outreach as well, um, that I do. Um, and I, once again, LinkedIn is the place for this, right? It, it's, you know, this is, you know, and I think for some people listening to this, they might be like, mm, that feels icky. That feels disgusting. Um, but you know, I, I put a lot of thought. Uh, I have support doing this, but you know, we put a lot of thought to who we connect with. Um, we always leave, you know, very personalized messages. And I always try and connect with anyone who actually connects with me. I'm sure yeah. some people think that I'm a robot, but it's, it's usually me. <laughs> like I said, I do have someone who does sometimes support me, but it's in very discreet, very specific ways. Gotcha, and so for yeah. me, it's very important that anyone I connect with that, you know, 
I engage with, I have a conversation with. Sometimes I'll even ask, how did you come across my profile? Is there anything mm-hmm. I can support you with? Because, you know, creating genuine relationships is very important to me. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for a lot of people listening to this, this might be surprising, but I'm actually uh, a little bit more introverted than people like to think, oh, um, which yeah. is one of the reasons why I really love sort of doing my work virtually, because it's very easy for me to have boundaries around my time. I remember when I worked full time and I was in an office where we didn't have any walls. It was like just an open space office. Like I was so protective of my time, my team, just thinking about like, they used to have all these nicknames for me because, you know, I would say things like, look, like if you want to have certain, you know, meetings with me, these day, please. Like I'm working on this. This is my focus work. I had to put my headphones in. They knew it wasn't like they could not you know, yeah. they shouldn't engage with but me at that point good. in time. That's good. I always share yeah. this with my community, like, you know, also to protect yourself, you know, your, your mental health, it's, it's key to have boundaries. I know yeah. sometimes it can come across as if you're not interested, you're not willing to help or you're, you know, direct, but it's also a way to protect yourself as well. So no, you're making a valid point there. Yeah. yeah. You'd, you'd be surprised even in the work I do now, um, how many people will, will ask for me to like, you know, uh, I send them my calendar, we'll ask for like an earlier date. And I'll be like, honestly, like, there's a reason like this, this is for, this is for both of us. Like, this is just not me being like, I'm so busy. It's like, no, like I need that space because if not, I get overwhelmed. I get flustered. A great example is last week. Somebody was like, please, 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 please. Let's have the meeting. I missed it. I completely missed it because Like I already have, like, I know I need certain buffers and, you know, I was trying to be a people pleaser, right? Even though I work with people pleasers, this is what I do for a living. I was trying to be a people pleaser and I missed the meeting and I apologized. And I was like, look, I told you that I had, you know, I have these certain things and unfortunately I missed it. So, um, I'm not sure what this has to do with our initial conversation, (laughs) but, you know, creating genuine, yeah, creating genuine, I think. Um, you can leverage LinkedIn in that way. Once again, everyone uses LinkedIn in a different way because of the way my business is built. You know, I have one-on-one coaching. I do workshops and speaking. I don't really have a mass market product. And once again, this is something I also teach when I, when I teach through that thought leadership LinkedIn piece. And I think for so many people, they think in order to be successful on LinkedIn, you need like 10,000 followers, 20,000 followers. And it's just, once again, you know, reflecting or just reminding yourself, like you don't understand necessarily what person's intention is, right? They might have 20,000 followers or five people supporting them to be able to connect with that many people so that they can ultimately sell a book or a course, right? Something that's very different from what I sell because I sell one-on-one coaching primarily and workshops and, you know, speaking, right? That I have to be there, right? Something like a book or a course, you don't have to be there. That can be a little bit more passive. So really just keeping that in mind as you are leveraging LinkedIn. And I think the last point on that, especially for your listeners that are more focused on their career, don't wait to update your LinkedIn or start reaching out to people when you're looking for a new job, right? I think that you can build a process now where maybe you just tell yourself just once a month, you check out your LinkedIn, you update it with things that are necessary, right? Maybe you connect with a few people every so often, but make sure that you create a routine around it and you're not just doing it at the last minute because that's gonna make it very difficult for you to find the opportunities that you really want, right? You can definitely incorporate this into your day-to-day or once a week or once a month without without much fuss. Yeah, love this. And speaking of like, you know, revamping your LinkedIn, I know that some people still really want to, um, you know, get out of their comfort zone, think out of, out of the box in, in terms of content, maybe not personal stuff, but, you know, other things. If it's not personal, there are other things that 
that they can share, right? I know I, I, we are connected on LinkedIn, obviously, and I do see a lot of content coming by. You know, you do polls, you share so many types of content. And I was wondering, what, uh, do you have some tips on what type of content people can share on their LinkedIn without maybe, you know, sharing too much of their personal life, as to say? Yeah. Um, so let's, I'm trying to think of the best place to start <laughs> with this. Um, so in, in the case, I mean, I can speak, I guess, specifically to, to how my content sort of created or generated. So I think if, if you have the capacity, you've decided that you do want to leverage uh, content and specifically post on LinkedIn to increase your visibility or to potentially find clients, right? It really starts with what is my strategy here? If you've decided that's something you want to do, you have the capacity, you have the financial resources, or at least the time to do this, I always recommend that you start with one particular piece of content that tends to be a little bit more long form. For me, that's now my podcast. And then what I do with my podcast, I have it transcribed. After transcribing it, then I'll have it broken down potentially into uh, shorter pieces that I think are somewhat meaty. They can also be broken down and turned into infographics or broken down and turned into tweets. So there's many different ways in which I can re-leverage or repurpose that one large piece of content. Um, if you're not someone that enjoys doing podcasts, it can simply just be an audio recording. It doesn't need to be something that's public. It could yeah. be a, a long form blog post. But I always just recommend that you start with something longer and then you can sort of break it down into smaller, sizable chunks that you can share over time. So that's the first piece, just creating a sustainable way of generating content. And once again, everyone gets to define what consistent means to them. This is also another thing I teach, because as I mentioned before, I see everything sort of from a energy and time perspective. And so it's very important that as you put in the energy, you're thinking about how can I leverage this and make the most of this forward. So having yeah. one bigger piece of content can really help you do that. Yeah. Um, so beyond that, the next step would then be you have that longer piece of content, you know, you can break it down into different pieces, then you can start to build templates. And once again, this is sort of what I teach. And in my, you know, my LinkedIn specific or LinkedIn focused program, this is something I also give them all my different templates. Some I've gotten from other people, you can find a bunch of templates online. Mm -hmm. I do it now based on things I see that work really well. And I'm like, let's replicate that, right? So if you've had the chance to take a look at my LinkedIn, I'd recommend you go look at this. Like, honestly, this is not, it's not rocket science. You'll yeah. see that I sort of have a cadence for okay. my post. I have yeah. one post that's like a Twitter-like uh, you know, yeah. type of image. I have another one that's a poll. So I have templates for all these pieces. Okay. And now because of where my business is, I have the, the privilege or I'm lucky to be able to invest in somebody else that I've sort of taught how to do this in my voice. And because everything really starts with my podcast, it's very easy and it sounds just like me. So we're just transcribing and literally purposing my already thoughts, right? And, and you know, just using that over and over again. So that's okay. how I generate... In, in the case of, of my you know business and my LinkedIn, that's kind of how I generate so much content. It's not nice. as much as people think, and it's actually quite repetitive. But once again, because of LinkedIn and what LinkedIn is, you don't, not everyone will see all those pieces that's of content. It. They kind of see it at different times, which is very mm. different from the Instagram algorithm where yeah. one, it's very visual and two, there's some sort of order to it, right? Mm. That's not the right. case on LinkedIn. So yeah. I actually will repeat a lot of my content. Um, okay. So coming up in August, I'm taking a break. A lot of that content is going to be repeat content, but it's going to be probably very new for a lot of people who just joined me and for people who maybe know from who know me from before, they maybe have never seen it. 
or maybe yeah. there's a little bit of a different twist. Mm -hmm. um, so really just recognizing one, you get to define what consistent looks like Two, you can build processes and structures around this. And three, you know, once again, you know, you need to define what success looks like and what that intention is, because for me, it is not likes. Cause if you look at my content, I actually don't get that, that much engaged. Um, I'm a lot more interested in someone actually, you know, messaging, you know, messaging me in the DMS and having a conversation there yeah. than maybe having a ton of content or a, a ton of comments on my post. I will yeah. also say, if you look at my content, and once again, this is a decision you have to make, my content is not that polarizing. So if you listen to any, um, I'm going to be slightly, I mean, maybe pushing a little bit here, but if you listen to any sort of uh, branding expert or branding guru, and I don't consider myself either one of those, even though I do have a LinkedIn focused program, I think it's yeah. a little bit more strategic focused than anything else. Exactly. They'll tell you, you know, take a side, you know, pick a side, you know, be polarizing that that is not my content because that's not who I am. Yeah. Um, I, I can sometimes say things that are slightly extreme, but typically yeah. I want to make sure I do that in a setting where we can have a conversation, right? I'll do those in the more private, private speaking or one-on-one -on -one coaching settings because yeah. it's more nuanced and we can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most of my content is not, is not very polarizing. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. everyone gets to decide for themselves. Everyone, you know, has their own brand, their own voice and how they want to come across for me. I don't feel like, you know, dealing with trolls um, and, and sort of, you know, having to like explain, <laughs> re-explain and explain yeah. things necessarily. But I will, I won't necessarily call people out, but I will disagree. That That is something yeah, to do that's as well. that's fine. That's fine. We agree yeah. to disagree, right? Thanks. Exactly. Thanks so much for sharing your take on this. And, you know, we also talk a lot about, you know, revamping your LinkedIn. I can imagine for some people, it's like, okay, what does that even mean? Where do I start? Is it my banner? Is it my profile picture? Is it the experiences? Is, are, is it keywords? Do I have to change it into uh, the creator form? What is it exactly? Like, can you share like a little bit of practical tips in someone that, you know, has like a blank LinkedIn page? What should they do in order to have it a little bit even revamped? Yeah. So once again, to revamp, I'm probably going to sound like a little bit of a broken record. So please <laughs> bear with me. I think the first step is what is your intention, right? What is, what is that intention? And that should drive your strategy. So if you're, you know, if you want to make sure that your profile looks its best for that next potential employment opportunity or that next leadership opportunity, I think the first thing is to try and put yourself in the shoes of a recruiter or maybe HR director or hiring manager and ask yourself, what is it that you think will resonate with them most? What is the most important part of the profile that you think they're going to look at? And that's really where I'd recommend that you start. Um, I never recommend that people, you know, up level or update their LinkedIn all at once. I recommend that you do it into chunks. And yeah. so maybe if you are thinking about long-term looking for another opportunity, maybe you decide that the experience section is the most important place. And so maybe that's where you start. And then maybe the about section is the second most important place, right? So I think that's the way to really think about your strategy. Put yourself in the shoes of the individual that potentially is going to make the hiring decision or the purchasing decision if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, right? What is that first place of I yeah. think beyond that, though, there are some just key areas that people always should spend a little bit of time and energy on and I think tend to be left behind, right? You always want to make sure that you make the most of the picture, that it looks like you, that it's a picture where you look most like that. I always recommend that. Um, I think it's great if you have a glamour shot, but if you don't look like that, you know, three weeks out of the month, I 
recommend it because it's going to be very difficult for people to actually recognize you, even if you go on a Zoom call. So have a picture of what you look like the majority of the time. That's one of the things I always recommend. Really cool post on LinkedIn today where a woman had braids and she was like, this is the first time my LinkedIn profile has braids, well, even though I have braids like the majority of the month. Did you see that post? Look at that. We have like our feed algorithms are very similar. <laughs> they probably know we're black women. That's what it is. They're just showing us this stuff. Um, but like, I felt, I was like, yeah, that's exactly why you want to make sure your, your picture looks like you, you don't want a picture of like what you aspire to look at, like, or, you know, what you don't look like 95% of the time you mm -hmm. want a picture that really truly reflects you and your values. Um, yeah. and where people will be like, oh, that's her. Yeah. Right. So that's the first thing. Always make sure that you do have some level of a profile picture that looks like you. And it's a recent one as much as possible. That's one area that people could always. Um, yeah, that, that that is, you know, and once again, you don't need to invest in anything crazy. My profile picture right now is something I took on my own phone. That's it. Really? Nothing special. Um, um, I think the second catchy. area. Sorry. It's super catchy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just like paid somebody like cut out the background. That's it. But it's a picture I took on my phone. That's it. Good light. That's it. Um, the second thing I always would recommend is that you make the most of that headline sort of section. I think yeah. that sometimes as employees, especially, we feel like we just need to put our role at company, but you can put True. so much more there. What's your mission? What's your vision? What's the problem you solve, even within your role, within that department, within that company? So just do a little bit more there. I think that we yeah. could all do that. And then the last area I think that all of us could probably spend a little bit more time on is the feedback references. I forget what they call it exactly. Testimonial section oh, yeah, of LinkedIn. I think it's references yeah. um, or recommendations. That's what it's called, recommendations. Yeah. And I actually have a whole process that I teach because this is something that I had such a hard time with, even just getting testimonials in general. So I have a whole process I teach. And I think that people especially who are you know in positions within organizations could really benefit from because I think a lot of times recommendations actually don't speak to really what we can contribute and our value. So making sure that you're thinking very strategically about who's actually providing those recommendations, making sure I describe them as being robust. Um, I think that's really important. Once again, some of you listening to this might go to my profile and be like, well, your profile, you know, yours aren't that great. I know. But I also feel like I prefer having the more robust ones on my website. So if you take a look at my website, I have like these quite, I would say quite long, very robust recommendations and testimonials. Um, yeah. Sometimes I will ask people to just copy paste them um, onto my profile as well. So there's a process where you sort of ask the person, you give them very clear guidelines about what you'd hope for them to share. They write it, you support them and maybe rewriting it. And then you send the link of your LinkedIn profile for them to just copy paste it in there. That will get you a much better recommendation than just saying, Hey, write this for me. Um, that's so that's something I also teach. And I think that all of us, including me could do a better job of that. I love that. I love that you're touching upon like giving directions in regards to receiving or collecting testimonials or uh, feedback or recommendation, however you want to call it. I agree with you because, you know, I've been guilty as well. Like, hey, X, can you send me uh, a recommendation? They'll be like, okay, what, what do you want me to talk about? Oh, whatever. Just just our collaboration in general. And you can see that like what you receive, it's, it's good. Obviously, it's positive most of the time, but it's just not really in in depth. It's not really, you know, touching. It's not as strategic, it's right? It's if you not, have a, a goal in mind, let exactly. them know so they can support exactly. you with that because they exactly. wouldn't say yes if they didn't think they could support you with it. Exactly. 
Well, Ikria, I love this conversation. So many gems were shared. Like, I'm much wiser. I think I'm going to go to my LinkedIn and then also screen <laughs> through it. And also in terms of self-promotion, I'm also someone, um, I, and I, I completely agree with you. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get. I can remember three years ago, talking about my wins, you, you wouldn't hear me. But yeah. right now, like, you know, people can actually learn from it. Like we, we are here to, you know, help others also excel in what they do. Right. Yep. So that's, that's also like my, my, my mindset right now in whenever I'm sharing something, it's like, okay, you know, is it helpful for someone else? And most of the time it's yes. So I'm so over, you know, my fear and anxiety that comes with it. And the more you do it, I like, I can preach about it as well. Like you get more confidence and comfortable in sharing your your wins but i want to thank you so much today also just before we leave how can people connect with you on which platforms can they uh reach out to you if they uh if they want to have a conversation yeah please please reach out um i love having conversations in the dms um so linkedin is my primary platform that's where i honestly feel the most comfortable I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's the place I feel most comfortable. I am also on Instagram um, and you're more, more than welcome to reach out to me there. And then recently I've been trying to leverage Twitter, but I just, I don't like how short the tweets are. I feel like there's no nuance. And I'm, uh, uh, um, I have such a hard problem with it, but yes, I, I am also on Twitter. And I mean, yeah, I, I do sometimes share my perspective on certain things, but um, those are the, probably the three places that is easiest to, to sort of get in touch with me and the three places I spend the most time. Okay, great. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for your time. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. Bye.